Let's come before Yahweh in prayer. Father, we come before you. We thank you so much for the blessings you have given each one of us. We pray that you would be with those here and those watching. We pray that you would bring us closer to you, that we would strive to please you in all we do, that we would be worthy of the calling and the sacrifice of your son, Yahshua the Messiah. And we thank you for the blessings you have given us, again, the, the family, the friends, the, the food, the, the roof, just the many things you've done, Father. And we thank you and we give you all praise. And we ask all this through the name of your son, Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Y'all may be seated. It is a blessing to uh, be with you today. I'd like to um, extend a welcome to uh, Brother Jose and Sister Risa. They are here, I think, permanently, from what I understand. So nice to have them back after so long. And also extend a welcome to Dillard. He, Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. So I think he's with us fairly permanently, it sounds like, too. So that's good news. I also want to just uh, say how much I enjoyed that special with uh, Annika and, and Aiden. I'll, I'll leave Randy out. He does a, such a good job every week. But uh, no, I thought the, the uh, youth there did a really, really terrific job with that. Well, the title of my message today is, let's see, here it's coming up, Finding or Balancing Your Life from the Bible. You know, out of all the responsibilities we have as a believer, you know, finding balance and moderation within our faith is, in my view, is probably one of the more challenging. You know, for example, as a believer, we need to follow the word. But also, as a believer, we're not to um, add to the word. We're not to remove the word. We're not to lose compassion. We're not to allow our biases to set in and so many other things that can affect that. You know, as we know, Yahshua the Messiah, he set, our, he set the example that we're to follow. He obeyed the command, commandments, he obeyed the word, but he also showed a good measure of grace and mercy and, and love. And I think we should be doing the same t- today. Well, I want to talk about several ways in which we maintain balance within our own walk as believers. As I've already said, you know, this is one of the hardest challenges I think we, we face as a people today. From over 20 years in the ministry, I've seen many examples of what I would consider imbalance. Imbalance. Going one way or the other, people may be taken away from the word, maybe adding to the word. Maybe examples of a pharisaical behavior, you know, not showing love or mercy or compassion. I've seen that many, many times. So as believers, we're to avoid this. So again, in this message, we're going to look at several things we can do to avoid these, these uh, things. Or as many of you know, one of my favorite books is the book of Ecclesiastes. I just really enjoy the book of Ecclesiastes. Within it, we find much wisdom from Solomon, which was blessed with just incredible insight. You know, here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 7. I don't like to begin there today. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 16. It says, Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? Now, before we talk about what we find here, I want to speak just a few moments about this man, Solomon. What do we know about Solomon? Or as many of us know, maybe all of us here, and I'm sure most listening, King Solomon was the son of David, 
where David was certainly the, the most prominent, praiseworthy king within Israel, where when Solomon took the throne, we know that he was young. Scripture says that he was a child. I think he was older than a child, but he was very young, especially for a king. And he prayed to Yahweh. He prayed that Yahweh would bless him with wisdom. And we know that Yahweh did that. Yahweh blessed him with an unrivaled wisdom. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Solomon was wiser than any other man during his time. You know, so based on these credentials, Solomon is somebody we should be listening to. Solomon is someone we should go to. So what does it say here in Ecclesiastes? Where it says not to be overly righteous or to be overly wise. It's the first lesson we find here. What does he mean by this? What, is, what message is Solomon trying to convey here? Or is he saying that there's such a thing as too much wisdom? Is he saying that there's such a thing as too much righteousness? Or what I believe he's saying here is he's speaking about a form of a self-righteousness. I think that's what he's really trying to convey here self-righteousness or pride. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about both of these things, pride, arrogance, self-righteousness. We know that Yahweh, our Father in heaven, he abhors these attributes. He really abhors a proud look. Matter of fact, in the book of um, Proverbs, we find that a proud look is an abomination. It's an abomination to the one we worship. So as believers in the Messiah, we should... um, Always remember to avoid this. And, you know, we also need to remember and remain humbled because the reality is our righteousness is nothing. We know in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it says there that our righteousness is, is as filthy rags to Almighty Yahweh. Now, there's no better example of self-righteousness, of pride, than Satan the devil. I want to read... Ezekiel 28, starting in verse 14. Ezekiel 28, 14 through 17. We believe here that this is a passage, a dual passage, if you will, referring to Satan the devil. It says there, you were anointed as a guardian of cherub. We know that guardian cherub is a type of angelic being, a high-ranking one. For so I ordained you, it says. You were on the holy mountain of Elohim. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness. Notice that. Notice that. Notice that it says here that Satan was blameless. Blameless. How many people think of blameless when you think of Satan? Where scripture says that in the beginning Satan was blameless. Until it says wickedness was found in him. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence, and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mountain of Elohim, and I expelled you. O guardian cherub, from, from among the fiery stones, your heart became proud. Now listen to this. What happened? Why did this pride set in? It says, proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. So we see here that there was Satan's beauty and wisdom. That led to his fall through his greatness, self-righteousness, and pride crept in. And when this happened, he rebelled against Yahweh. We know from other accounts that he rebelled, took a third part of the angels with him. When this happened, we find here that Yahweh cast him to the earth. You know, the same thing, though, can happen to us. 
when we become self-righteous, we lose humility. We lose compassion. And when this happens, we forget that we ourselves are sinners and unworthy of Yahweh's grace. And that's the reality of us and our redemption. It's important that we remember that we cannot justify our own selves, that we must recognize that salvation comes through our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. In many ways, this can lead to a hard heart and also the inability to repent. You know, for example, I knew an elder years ago who left the faith in his family. I actually mentioned this person just a few, uh, few weeks ago. Where he had the nerve, after leaving his family, leaving his faith, to say that nobody could teach him anything. That he knew, you know, I guess, everything he needed to know. Well, and I hate to say it, but nobody knows everything. There's not a single person on the face of this earth that knows everything. And we can all learn something. You know, as believers, we need to remember humility, mercy, compassion. As we'll see later, these are really the, the uh, fundamentals of what it is to be a believer. No amount of righteousness or wisdom can compensate if we lose these attributes, if we forget about things like love or compassion or mercy. If we allow pride to set in, then we're following the same path as the evil one. Because this is what happened to him. Again, Scripture says that he was blameless. Scripture says that he was perfect. Scripture says that he was without blemish. That is, until unrighteousness was found in him. Now, Solomon goes on here to say something else. He says, do not be overly wicked or foolish. You know, as believers, it's important that we follow Yahweh's word without allowing sin to control us or take root. Paul in Romans 6, you know, Romans 6 is another favorite passive passage of mine. Really enjoy Romans 6. I call it the baptismal passage because it really focuses on baptism. But there in Romans 6, Paul says emphatically that once we're immersed into Yahshua's name, that we're not to pursue sin, that we can't continue in our sin, that we must live a different life. As we know also from 1 John 3, 4, sin is the breaking of Yahweh's law. You know, some people say that the law is not needed, or we know that sin is defined as the transgression or breaking breaking of Yahweh's word. Now Solomon closes here by saying this. He says, why should you die before your time? You see, if we pursue a life of sin and are unbalanced with our approach with Yahweh's word, we risk losing our eternal salvation. That's one reason why it's so important that we maintain a balance. Because it's important that we do all the right things in one way and yet still miss the boat. If we, or we'll talk about situation where we could even keep the Sabbath just right. But if we don't do other things, we're going to again, we're going to fall short. I want to turn out Ecclesiastes 12.12. We see there that this even includes our study. Some people are kind of surprised with this. Ecclesiastes 12.12 says, And further, my son, be admonished by these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Remember, we're talking about now a balance. Solomon says here that much study is a wearisome to the flesh. So we see here that even study can be a detriment. Solomon says too much study can be something negative. You know, I've known people who spent every waking moment within Yahweh's word. Now, some of you might be asking, or where, where is the issue with this? What's wrong with that? Where's the problem with spending every waking moment within the word? Where here's the issue, these same people often neglect life's other responsibilities. 
other obligations. Let me give you an example. And by the way, this, this did not happen here at this ministry. Well, I know a man years ago, he had a large family. He'd come to Sabbath. And he would study all night long, and his kids would sleep in the chairs all night so he can study. Well, I don't believe this is something we should be doing. So the lesson here is this. While we should spend time daily within the word, we cannot use the word as a means to ignore life's other obligations, other responsibilities. There's other responsibilities we have as people that we must do. You know, for example, Paul in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says this. He says, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. You know, I don't have a lot of sympathy for, for lazy people. If we're not willing to work, if we have the ability to work and we simply choose not to work, we are accountable for that, for that laziness. Yahweh wants us to work hard. Yahweh wants us to be, to be people that work. We also see this in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. It says, um, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So as believers, especially husbands, we have an, we have an obligation, a duty, to provide for our families. When we're not doing this, we're, not, we're, we're falling short. Matter of fact, according to Paul here, when we don't do this, when we don't provide for our own, Paul says here that we're worse than an infidel. In case you don't know, an infidel is an unbeliever. So Paul says that we're worse than an unbeliever if we don't provide for our families. Now we see also that exercise extends into, a, a, or balance, I should say, extends into exercise. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 it says there, but reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise, exercise yourself towards righteousness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but righteousness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now we see here that there is a benefit to exercise. I'm not against exercise. I try to exercise a few times a week. I think it's good to exercise as long as we're not neglecting other responsibilities we have in life. You know, we need to make sure that our priorities are right. And as we know, Yahweh should come first. So there's nothing wrong with exercise, again, as long as we're not neglecting other obligations within our lives. And nothing, nothing is more important than his word, Yahweh's word, and learning to live a life of righteousness. You know, the bottom line is this. If we're spending more time with things of this world than we are with Yahweh's word, then I believe that we need to reevaluate what we're doing because we need to be spending time within the word. Understand that Yahweh's word should always be the forefront of our personal walk. Matter of fact, when it comes to salvation, we know that Yahweh has some pretty high expectations. Here's what Yahshua says in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way, which leads to life, and there are few that find it. So Yahshua here, he speaks about two paths. One path leading to destruction and the other path leading to everlasting life. He says here that wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads where? 
leads to destruction, but narrow is a gate, and difficult is a way that leads to life. And, you know, for a moment, let's think about that word difficult. So many people, they come to religion, and they think it's easy. He does it all for us. And Yahweh says here that, look, this isn't easy. Yahweh, through his son, said this is going to be a hard way. You know, this contradicts 90% of what we hear behind today's pulpits. This notion that there, that there, this is an easy road, or that there's many roads to salvation. Well, that's not what we see here. We find here that there's only one path that leads to life everlasting. Not many, not numerous. He says one. And this one requires complete devotion and surrender to the one we worship. If we're not giving him everything, if we're not surrendering to him, we're then falling short. Again, I think we see balance here. You know, if we lose our stability, if we get off course, and if we find ourselves on this broad path, we see where it leads. Now, I said just a moment ago, we need to have a complete devotion and we need to surrender to the one we worship. It's important to follow Yahweh completely, not to go partial way as so many do. You know, we actually find a warning about this going a partial way in, in Revelation 3, Revelation 3, verse 14. This is to the Laodicean assembly. It says, and to the angel of the assembly of the Laodiceans write, these things says your men, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of Elohim. So this is Yahshua here speaking about himself, by the way. He's, he's explaining who he is. And as we see here, he's faithful and true. And that's something we can always know and, and, and count with our Savior, that he is always faithful. We also see that he's the beginning of Yahweh's creation. goes on to say, I know your works, that you were neither cold nor hot, I would wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you were lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, how did... And why did Yahshua reprimand this assembly as he did? And we see here that they were lukewarm. They were going only partial way with his truth. You understand that lukewarm worship is never enough for the one we worship. He really demands more. And that's my biggest issue with so many believers out there. They're lukewarm. They think maybe coming to one feast day a year or doing this or that is enough. And listen, if we're not giving all if we're not surrendering to the one we worship, we are at best lukewarm. Yahshua said here that he'd rather us be hot or cold but not lukewarm. In other words, Yahweh's not into us playing games. You know, either we give everything or we do nothing at all. Now, what is the consequence for those who are only partially committed? For those who only go halfway? For those who... Do not fully follow Yahweh. Where he says here, Yahshua says here, that he's going to vomit them out of his mouth. If we know the truth, if we're not fully committed, 
if we are not surrendering to the one we worship, this is the result that we will see in the end. And vomiting out, we will not be part of his called and chosen. Now, why was this assembly lukewarm? What do we know historically about this assembly? But we know, according to most scholars, the city of Laodicea was quite wealthy with trade. And because of this, I think it led to this apathy. It led to this indifference. It led to this lukewarm worship. He's had wealth. And we see that here in this passage. You see, the people allowed their wealth and abundance to compromise and devalue their faith and devotion. You know, like the young rich man, again, they were unable to really completely give all. Remember what happened when Yahshua told that rich young man to sell everything he had? What happened? Did he sell everything he had? No, he just went away sorrowful because he knew he was not measuring up. Same thing here. You see, through their wealth, they lost the thing that mattered most, their devotion, their faith. These people placed more focus on their wealth than they did on their relationship with Yahweh. And, you know, we see the same thing today. We're a very wealthy country here, especially when we compare it to so many other countries. And I think so often do we lose our own focus and we rely in our wealth, we rely in our abundance, and it changes who we are. And I think this is why also Paul says that the love of money is a root of all evil. Now, by the way, money is not evil. There's nothing evil about money. Money becomes evil when we put our trust and our reliance and our devotion to money. That's when money becomes evil. But, you know, the reality is when we have a lot of money, we tend to do that. Solomon in Ecclesiastes also says there that if our desire is to achieve silver, we're never going to have enough. So money is a way of causing a person to lose their focus, to lose their way. And I think that's what we see here with the Laodiceans. Again, they allowed their wealth to lose their way. You know, I believe this passage should serve as an example again to this nation. Even the poorest here is, is wealthy when compared to much of the world. If we're not careful, we too can fall into this trap. And I think Joshua can vomit us out. Again, we must give all to the one we worship. Now, another thing to remember with balance is not adding or removing from the word. We actually talked about this in the Bible study briefly today. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2 says this. It says, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take anything from it, that you may keep the commandments of Yahweh or Elohim which I command you. So Yahweh here warns not to add or remove from his word. So we find following Yahweh means that we do and follow all his commandments, all his ways. If Yahweh says something, we're to do it. We're not to ignore it. We're not to justify why we can't do it or don't do it. In my years of ministry, one of the things I've noticed is how easy it is for us to simply ignore something and then to justify that abuse. You know, I think there's a lot of people who struggle with this, especially those new, you know, those who may have some sort of bias I've known a lot of people not only to remove, but also add to the word. I know some of you, you, you've seen that, different assemblies or different people. And part of the reason reason is is they want to put a box around Yahweh's truth. 
so, that, so we don't, don't break a commandment, so we just add to it. Or if Yahweh says this, well, we'll just add one more commandment here so we, we make sure we don't break this. Well, that's just as bad as removing from it. Yahweh says don't remove or add to it. And again, both are equally destructive. You know, one group in the New Testament who is known for adding to the word was the Pharisees. We see an example of this in Matthew 23, 1 through 3. It says there, Then Yahshua spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works. Why? Where he says here, For they say and do and do not do. So Yahshua tells his disciples here to obey the scribes and Pharisees, but not to follow in their example. Don't do as they do, he says. Now, before we talk about these men, I want to ask, what is Yahshua referring to when he uses or uh, refers to this Moses' seed? Well, this was an actual seed that the scribes and Pharisees would sit in, and when they were sitting in the seat, they would read from the Torah, otherwise known as the Law of Moses. Matter of fact, here's a, um, I want to share a few photos. I have to apologize to Ryan. I'm, I, I hope he's around in advance. But um, we found a, a photo, or we have a photo from our 2014 trip, I think, to Israel. This was at Chorazim. It's right around the Sea of Galilee. And uh, they have a third century uh, synagogue there. And they found an original seat of Moses. Now that seat of Moses today is in the Israeli Museum. Here's a picture of it. <laughs> Ryan is uh, illustrating how the scribes and Pharisees would have sat in the seat. I, I just could not pass that picture up. I do apologize. <laughs> so I'll skip that. And here's a little bit closer view of that seat. The seat of Moses. So again, they would sit in the seat, and from the seat they would read from the law of Moses. Now, in the front here, you can see some script. This is actually Aramaic. It's not Hebrew, Greek. It's Aramaic. And uh, the inscription is this. Remember the good Yud and the son of Ishmael who made this. Now, it's STVH or STWH is a rendering. They're not sure what that means. Some say it means a shelf or a platform. But, but it's basically, it goes on to say, in his steps, may he take part with a pious. So it's an inscription giving recognition to this uh, man, Yudin the son of Ishmael, who helped with the construction, I'm assuming, of this platform or this seat. Now, what did Yahshua mean here when he said, do not do according to their works? So we find here the Pharisees would say and do not. In other words, they were hypocritical in their faith. They required things of others that they themselves were unwilling to do. You understand that Yahweh abhors hypocrisy. He can't stand hypocrisy. He will not accept duplicity in worship. These men lacked balance. You know, they understood for the most part the requirements of the word. Now, again, they added to it. Certainly, Yahweh doesn't like that. I'm not going to, or actually, we'll talk a little bit about that today, but they added to it. But they themselves were unwilling to do it. They themselves were unwilling to go all the way with what they wanted, what they required from others. You know, this type of hypocrisy, though, is not unique. Over the years, I've seen many believers guilty of this same mistake. As Yahweh's people, we need to ensure that our faith is sincere and that we're living up to our own 
standards, our own expectations. This is especially true for those who minister in the word, especially for those who minister. You know, if we preach against a sin as a minister, and then we willfully engage or participate in that sin, uh, we're going to share a heavier condemnation. We see this in the book of James. You know, James says there, James 3 says, don't, don't let there be many ministers. Don't let there be many masters, he says, because they're going to receive the heavier condemnation. That's how it works. Yahweh expects more of people when, when, when you're in, 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 in those positions. You know, I've known two ministers in the faith who committed adultery. One was an elder I've already referred to, left his family. Where the other fought it. You know, he could have stepped down, but he fought it after being caught and tore apart the assembly because of it. If we're going to preach or believe in something, then by all means, as a believer, we must follow through. If we don't follow through, if we don't practice what we preach, then we're no better than these men here, these scribes and Pharisees. Now, not, not only were these uh, guys hypocritical, but we also know that they added to the word. I want to read just from uh, Mark 7. This, by the way, Matthew 15 is a parallel passage to Mark 7. And if you ever want to understand Mark 7, there's a lot of people, they just rip this right out of context. But if you want to understand, go to Matthew 15, verse 20. That explains it. So maybe a cross-reference there. Matthew 15, verse 20. But I'm not going to get into that because that's not what we're talking about today. So Mark 7, 1 through 9 says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is with unwashed hands, they found fault. Now just... Real quickly, when it says unwashed hands, and even today in, in Israel, you see these basins or these pitchers that they use to wash your hands. And I don't know the exact formula, but you have to pour water on this hand and that hand and this hand and that hand and dry it a certain way. It's a very rabbinical way of doing it. And if you don't do it that way, you're not following in their traditions and you have not washed your hands. It's important that we understand that. It says, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way. So again, this was not just washing your hands. Some people say, or I should have washed my hands. Joshua says, you know, they, no, there's nothing wrong with, we encourage you to wash your hands here. But we don't need to wash our hands in a special way. It says, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, uh, couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat, with, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of Yahweh, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. And he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of Yahweh, that you may keep your tradition. Now what problem do we find within this passage where these men placed more emphasis 
on their own rabbinical man-made commandments than they did on Yahweh's word. They condemned Yahshua's disciples here for not washing their hands according to their own rabbinical washings. And again, this is not talking about washing your hands. This is talking about a very thorough rabbinical, traditional type of washing. Now in verse 8, Yahshua said here that they laid aside the commandments of Yahweh to do what? To lay hold their own traditions. You see, this is all about Jewish traditions through the Talmud. Just as these men allowed their own traditions, man-made traditions to make priority or to take priority over Yahweh's commandments, we can do the same thing today. You know, these accounts we find in Scripture, it's not just to read about what happened. We're to apply what we read. Because believe me, we can fall in this same trap. You know, is there a belief that we're so adamant about that we refuse to honestly evaluate Is there something we hold so dear that we're so convinced that we refuse to reconsider what we believe or we shouldn't? You know, I always tell people when we do the baptismal counseling, we have a point that we normally review, and that is that we need an open mind. We need an open mind. Now, I always stipulate that, too. I say, you know, we shouldn't be too quick to change because so often, you know, we see people come in they go to Google, because Google knows everything, and they find some crazy belief, and they go off to Never Neverland. So we need to have an open mind. We need to be willing to honestly evaluate what we believe, but we need to be careful. We need to use discretion. We need to use wisdom. Do we allow our own traditions, past biases, current circumstances to cloud our honesty, our judgment? our discretion. You know, as we read in Deuteronomy 4, verse 2, we're not to allow our biases or prejudices to um, add or remove from the word. And I've seen this. I've seen assemblies. They, They add to the word because they have a certain mindset. They believe something to be true. And they refuse to honestly evaluate that belief. Whereas believers, we need to have an open mind. We need to be willing to honestly ask, what I believe, does it conform to Scripture? But again, saying that, we need to be very wise and use discretion when, we, when we're doing that. Well, let's go back to Matthew 23. I'm going to read Matthew 23, verse 23 and 24. It says, Woe! To you, scribes and Pharisees. You know, that's a common theme, by the way. Woe to you. Seven woes, I believe it is. Seven woes we find within this passage. Yahshua says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out an ant and swallow a camel. Now, real quickly, just notice here, he doesn't say not to tithe, but he's saying here that we need to have our priorities right and take a balanced approach. So we find here that these men were neglecting part of Yahweh's word. Now, what were they neglecting? What part of Yahweh's word were they neglecting? Or they were ignoring it. It says justice, mercy, and faith. 
Now, what does Joshua say about justice, mercy, and faith? How does Joshua classify these commands? Where he says here that these are the weightier matters. These are the weightier matters. You know, so often do people that get caught up with the Sabbath or the feast days. And look, we're very conservative here. We want to honor the Sabbath. We want to reverence the Sabbath. But if we're not showing love and mercy and compassion and these attributes that we find here, I don't care how good you keep the Sabbath. It does not matter. You're just going through the motions. You know, this is one of the worst cases of imbalance I think we find in all of Scripture, these scribes and Pharisees. You know what's sad about it, though, is this. It's not unique. This is not unique to the scribes and Pharisees. You know, I've seen this in both assemblies and also believers. Again, you know, some people are so focused on the Sabbath, and nobody can out-Sabbath them. Nobody. Or maybe it's the name. You know, they've done years and years of study, and they pronounce that name down to the last syllable. And yet they have no love. They have no compassion. They they have no mercy. You know, and if we fall into this trap, we're no better off than these scribes and Pharisees. Understand that we need to keep Yahweh's commandments. You know, we believe very strongly that we need to keep Yahweh's commandments. But if we don't go beyond the commandments in the sense that we're not, again, applying the fruits or the characteristics that Yahshua left, we're going to fall miserably short in the end. Now, one of the best ways of avoiding this is through something called humility. Humility. Maybe you've heard the term. We see a great example of this in one of Yahshua's parables. Turn with me to, we'll just read it on the screen here, Luke 18, starting in verse 9. Yahshua's parable, he says, also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. You see, just that phrase there, they trusted in themselves. They relied on their own righteousness, on their own good works. They were doing a great job. Where it says they, that they were righteous and despised others. You know, they, they looked down. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood, prayed thus with himself, Yahweh, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Now he's going to say all the good things he does here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, Yahweh, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So in this parable, we have two men, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, Pharisee here, he's real proud of his accomplishments. He's done a great job. He tells Yahweh that, like Yahweh needs to know, that he fasts twice a week. You know, he he, uh, gave tithes of all that he had. I'm sure that he kept the other commandments without blemish too. This guy, he was a real winner. 
where the only issue is he was proud. He was arrogant. Now, what about this tax collector? What does Joshua say about him? Well, he's, number one, he stands afar off. I think that says something. He didn't approach real close. He bowed himself in humility. That's one reason why we bow here, by the way. It's, it's a sign of humility. And then he simply prayed, Yahweh, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, he recognized what he was. He was a sinner. Now, which one of these men went away justified? Was it the, the Pharisee, the proud Pharisee, the guy, the guy that did everything right, the guy that fasted twice a week, the guy that gave tithes of all that he had, the guy that just, just went all out for Yahweh? No, it wasn't. He didn't go away justified. The tax collector went away justified. Why? Because he showed a humbleness of spirit. That is why he went away justified. You see, Yahweh looks upon the heart. So we can keep all the commandments. You can keep the Sabbath better than anybody on this earth, and yet yet you can still lose your salvation. And I'm not trying to pick on those who keep the Sabbath, by the way. But it's important that we understand a contrast. It's important to understand that Yahweh wants us to obey his commandments. Listen, that's the minimum of of what we should be doing. It really concerns me when I see people who can't keep the Sabbath or the feast days. They can't give that much. Because believe me, it gets harder when we do things like show love and forgiveness. That's not easy. You know, we can put a facade on and we can pretend to, be, to, to uh, do those things, but to do it within is hard. And if we're not keeping the Sabbath, I can assure you, we're not showing the love or the compassion that we should be. Solomon in Proverbs 11 verse 2 said, When pride comes, in comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. We find here that pride brings dishonor. Pride brings dishonor. Humility brings what? Humility brings wisdom. Or we also know that humility, though, brings honor as well. Because Joshua says, he who is humbled will be what? Will be exalted. If we're humbled, we're going to be exalted. Because Yahweh is going to be the one to exalt. We don't need to exalt ourselves. We don't need to say how great we are. Because the truth is, nobody here is great. Nobody here is stellar. We've all fallen short, Scripture says. As we saw in Isaiah, righteousness is, is filthy rags. You know, when we do this, we, like this Pharisee, will not find forgiveness. We're not going to go away justified. When we do this, we follow in the same pattern as Satan the devil. And this is also why Solomon again says in Ecclesiastes not to be overly righteous or wise. I want to close now with Matthew 23, 27. Matthew 23, 27 through 28. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, But inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men. But inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The issue with these scribes and Pharisees was not the outside. It was not the outside. It was what was found within Yahshua compared these men to whited sepulchers, whitewashed 
tombs. In other words, again, from the outside, everything looked really good. But within, we know that the tomb was filled with, with all uncleanness. Yahshua said here, he went on to say that they appeared righteous before men, but within were full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You understand that what is seen from the outside doesn't always reflect what is within. And while we can put a facade on for most of us here, we cannot put a facade on with our Father in heaven. He sees through it. He knows. So if we're not living the life we should, if we're not obeying his word, if we're not showing love, if we're not showing compassion, if we're not showing everything we find, if we are not surrendering ourselves to Yahweh in all ways, he knows. He knows. And if we don't, we may share the same fate as these scribes and Pharisees. Matter of fact, I think I said that was my last scripture. I want to read one more. Matthew 5.20 says this. He says, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter in into the kingdom. You know, these guys, nobody could out-commandment them. They were great. But we must exceed that. So how do you suppose we exceed that? Or we exceed that by showing the weightier matters. Again, you know, obeying the Sabbath and feast days and the name and, and all of these things, I mean, that's foundational. That should be easy. And yet most people can't do that. I want to summarize now some of the major points we've talked about in this message. Ten keys to moderation or to balance. So ten keys. Avoid being overly righteous or wise. Do not neglect life's other responsibilities, right? Understand what's important. Stay on the narrow way. Avoid lukewarm worship. Don't be apathetic. Don't be lukewarm. Don't go partial way. Remove personal bias. And you know, I will say this. If you think you don't have personal bias, or you're wrong. We all have personal bias. I have personal bias. We all have things. We have all been raised a certain way. We've all had different experiences. Those experiences will create a bias. That's not always a bad thing, but we all have a bias, and we need to recognize that. So try to remove that personal bias. Focus on the entire word. Don't delete or add to it. Avoid hypocrisy. That's a big one. If 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 we say we're going to do something, let's do it. Avoid pride and arrogance, and do not neglect the weightier matters of the word. Well, I pray that this has been a blessing to you, this message. I hope that you can leave with a few ways to maintain a better balance within your life. But listen, Yahweh wants a complete person. He wants a person who not only understands how to keep the Sabbath or to pronounce his name, or to keep the feast days, or to do these other things. But he also wants a person that's concerned about the oppressed. He also wants a person that's concerned about 
showing love, showing humility, showing compassion, showing decency. And if we do those things, we're going to be blessed. We're going to be in this kingdom, and we're going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what we all want to hear. So I pray that we strive to be what Yahweh expects us to be. May Yahweh bless you.